some time ago, several years ago, um, I received a phone call from a friend of mine, um, and she said to me, John, what are you doing this evening? I said, I have nothing on. What's up? She said, I have tickets for Mozart's Requiem, conducted by Ricardo Muti, with a full choir and a full orchestra. And she said, it's going to be magnificent. And she says, her husband, Mike, this Moira, her husband, Mike, uh, was a lawyer in Chicago and had to fly out for an emergency hearing in a big case he was involved in. She said, do you want to join me? I said, absolutely, because I love Mozart. And that opportunity is a once in a lifetime to see Ricardo Muti conduct a full choir with a full orchestra. This would be priceless. Well, to me, it would be priceless. So I went down, and um, I don't know if you know Chicago Symphony, that it's a huge, and then at the back of it, behind the orchestra, there are fairly good seats. So you're, not, you're looking down on, on the orchestra, which is kind of nice. I've never been there before. So we were right in the center of that back arc, sitting there, and Moira was beside me, and we were getting ready for it to start. And then right on the other side, like opposite me in the kind of expensive seats, the boxes, the center box is usually for the conductor, Muti, and his friends. So we're sitting there, sitting there, sitting there, waiting to begin. And uh, Cardinal Supich had just arrived in Chicago, and I was at his installation, and I met him just on one occasion, as well as all of the other priests. So he was relatively new. Next thing in, I see him coming into the, the box, and there we were looking at each other. Luckily, thank God, he didn't recognize me. I just felt uncomfortable with him opposite me, especially with another man's wife sitting beside me. <laughs> so he had no idea who I was, and that was good. But I was there a few months afterwards at another concert, and in the foyer, we were standing around, and I heard a young man saying, you know, he says, I was at a concert here um, a few months ago, and Moody was here in the full choir and the full orchestra, and it was something like Mozart's Requiem. Boy, was that boring, he said. And I, 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 was, I was shocked that somebody would say that, because this is a masterpiece, and it is eternal. And, and it is just a work of, of magnificence. But when I reflect on sometimes people's relationship with the Mass and the Eucharist, that comes to mind. Because what we celebrate each Sunday or each time we celebrate the Eucharist is more than a masterpiece. It is a mystery. And a mystery is something that the more you know of, the more you want to know more of. It is something that you can enter into a relationship with it that will never be satisfied because the depths of it are just beyond belief. One priest once said to me that you don't judge the Eucharist, the Eucharist judges you. And where I begin and where I find that fascinating is 
is that in, in the Synoptic Gospels, Jesus uses a phrase that I think is very powerful. I have longed to celebrate this with you. And that is in today as you are here. Jesus is longing to celebrate this Eucharist with you. And it really reminds us straight away that we don't go to God, that it is God who comes to us. And in the Eucharist, just like in the washing of the feet, Jesus removed his outer robe and he, he revealed her, his most innermost self to us and to his disciples at the Eucharist. This is Jesus at his very core. This is, this is creation, the Big Bang at its very essence of just beautiful love. And that is when we, when we take the bread, when Jesus took, before I get to the bread, it is important that we remember that in the gospel of today, they talk about this man carrying a water jar. And we say, what has this got to do with the Eucharist? But what it's saying is, Jesus knew everything that was going to happen to him. He knew what was coming, and he was completely in control. That is what they were trying to communicate. Jesus wasn't brought to his passion, death, and resurrection, kicking and screaming. It is something he embraced out of love. It is something he did to reveal who God is. There should be no such thing as because these, Jesus died on the cross for me, we owe him in some way. No. That would be so wrong to look at it in that way. It is a profound gift. And when Jesus took the bread in his hands, what, what enters into that bread is every word and every action of Jesus. Do you condemn me? The woman caught in adultery said. And if Jesus had said yes, you would have been stoned to death. Jesus says, no, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. The leper cried out, Lord, if you want to, you can heal me. Living like an animal in the wilds, rejected by everyone. Of course I want to be healed. Raising Lazarus from the dead, feeding 5,000, instructing them in, 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 the, in the Beatitudes. All the miracles, all the words of Jesus, they all are alive in the host that each of you receive. When the minister or I say, the body of Christ, that is what you are receiving. Something alive and active. Something that is very, very profound. So it is, it is something that is a tremendous gift. And it comes to completion in his passion and death and resurrection. John's Gospel uses the washing of the feet that revealed God's self-giving love, a love that was of equality and friendship. When Jesus was dying on the cross, he gave of himself in forgiveness. And then after his death, God raised him from the dead, and he once again gave of his life 
in the resurrection to his community of faith. A tremendous self-giving that was completely unconditional with no strings attached. This is that energy and that force that has been constantly offered to us in the body of Christ. Towards the end of the meal, he took the cup filled with wine. Now we heard in the first reading that in ancient times, blood symbolized life. And so the sprinkling of the blood was sealing a contract between God and his people. But now Jesus does something remarkable, something that the Jewish people at that time would have found offensive because he expands who it is to be part of God's people. He universalizes it. He makes it open to everyone, not just to the Jewish people who were originally God's chosen people. Jesus is creating a new people of God. And that is why he offers them his blood, the new covenant. The covenant not made with an animal, but now a covenant made in the body of Christ, offering himself on the cross, suffering and dying, and be raised by God. So then when we take drink of that cup, when we used to do it, but when we drink of that cup, we are drinking of our membership, of a new community, a new people of God, sent out in his name to bring into the world his love, his forgiveness, and his peace. So as I said at the beginning, the Eucharist is a mystery that we can enter into more and more. If you find the Mass boring, I know you don't because you are here, but if you, people find it boring, it is, there is something wrong with them. There is not something wrong with what happens on the altar. There may be something wrong with my sermons. They may be boring, at times they are, I know that. But there is nothing wrong with what happens here. There is nothing wrong with what happens here in the word of God proclaimed or the consecration and the offering of the body and blood. Because if you find something wrong with the altar of the word and the altar of the Eucharist, then there is something wrong with you. It is the Eucharist that is judging you, not you that can judge the Eucharist.